Hey, Shannon, we're finally in the same room together. It's a good thing since we're finally starting season four. Yep, you're right about that. This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. This episode of the Reading Teacher Sound is sponsored by our new Patreon. Patreon is a platform where you can join the Reading Teacher Sound's professional learning community and study and work with us. Everyone who joins will receive behind-the-scenes info into the podcast and an episode directory with photos, graphics, and resource links for all the seasons. There are five levels of collaboration and support to choose from, with various benefits that include a private Facebook group, bonus episodes each month, a quarterly data review and unit planning Zoom calls, bi-weekly lesson planning sessions where we can provide group support for your instruction, Reading Teacher's Lounge branded merchandise like a coffee mug or tote bag, and the highest level of support includes book studies with us and private calls for one-on-one support. You can find more information by visiting www.patreon.com backslash Reading Teacher's Lounge. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash Reading Teacher's Lounge. You can also check out the link in our show notes. Everyone who joins in September will enjoy founding member status, and you'll receive a printed copy of our special episode directory in the mail. Again, visit www.patreon.com backslash Reading Teachers Lounge. We really hope you'll join us and learn alongside with us. Welcome to season four of the Reading Teachers Lounge. I'm Shannon Betts. I've been teaching since 2002, um, either as a reading teacher or as a reading specialist. Currently, I'm working part-time at a private school, um, working as a resource teacher. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and on Twitter and Instagram at rdngdevelopment. And hey, I'm Mary Sagafi. I am a reading tutor and a dyslexia advocate. (laughs) Mixing up my words right in there. (laughs) Dislocate. Dislocated. My name is Mary Sagafi, and I am a dyslexia advocate and um, a reading tutor. And um, I have taught in the classroom for more than 10 years, and now my classroom is inside my home. And for me, it's really important to find humor and joy and help kids really develop a love of reading and a love of learning and also understanding how unique their brain is as they learn. So... Welcome to the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where you get to eavesdrop on Shannon and I, who love, love, love to talk anything about reading. And we've been doing it now for four years. Which is just wild, but um, our podcast is growing, our content is growing, and we're so happy to be continuing on this journey with everyone. Thank Um, you for people who've been with us since season one, and then thank you to all of you who have joined us in the past year, um, and even over the summer, and are here now. It's been going great. Um, So Shannon, stranger, how's your summer? Let's talk. Yeah, Mary and I live down the street from each other. We we barely saw each other this summer. Uh, Probably because we were both traveling. Traveling? At at different times. 
isolating. Yes. <laughs> Making sure that our families were safe and sound and um, taken care of. That too. I see your house every day when I walk by with the dog. But that's I know. It. And if I see you out there, I'm always giving a wave or something, rounding up the girls in the neighborhood who play with my girls all the time. Thank goodness for that. Mary has a house of girls, and then I have a house of boys. And we happen to live on a street that has many girls. <laughs> yes. Um, Which I guess my sons will love one day. Someday. When they grow up. Someday. Right now, they're just chasing. Yeah. So, my summer was good. Um, we traveled. I finally went back home. Like, I hadn't gone home since the pandemic, and so I got to go home to Louisiana and see my friends and family there. So, that was really special. Um, I also, we went to a friend's lake house and then another friend's mountain house. So that was nice to have some outdoor time. Awesome. Uh, the mountain house was especially nice because it was like 60 degrees on the top of the mountain. So while everybody was hot in Atlanta, we were nice and cool. It was a hot summer here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I rested a lot. Like, I, um, we all felt the burnout of teaching the pandemic, and mm-hmm. I, I spoke about that in season three finale, but um, the pandemic teaching burned me out, and then I overdid it with my brain injury and my post-concussion um, symptoms, and so I really just needed a lot of time to rest and recharge. Um, I slept sometimes 12, 13 hours a night, and then took a nap in the middle of the day as well for most of June and early July. That's so great that you recognize that your body needs that, and you're giving your body what it needs. I mean, I just kept sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of threw away the alarm clock for months. Uh, It was really nice. That's kind of the beauty of a summer break. Yes. Just enjoy that. I did do a little, I did teach summer school a little bit. Um, Just, but I I didn't even want to use the alarm clock. So I said, I'm available if you let me come in midday and do it part-time for summer school. So that's, I always like the technology lab. That's for fantastic. summer school um, for two weeks. And so that was actually cool because I was able to get the students on tech programs and it was pretty low stress. Oh, yeah, that's great. So um, what about you? Yeah, we, we also were able to travel um, and same that uh, the burnout from the pandemic has been just harsh, <laughs> I think is, is the word that I can describe it. Um, I think I've mentioned previously that my husband is a frontline worker and, um, you know, the medical field has just really been hit hard um, emotionally and physically and all of the things. And so um, it's it's taken a toll a bit on our family. So I also needed to take a little step back and recharge and rest and create a nice, stable field for my family to continue to grow and thrive and um, I feel really blessed that I was able to kind of take advantage of that time. And um, we actually were able to get away for three weeks, which is next level unheard of. Wow. Um, I've definitely never been able to get away more than like four days. Did before. you go back home? We went um, to my husband's home um, and visited his family in Pittsburgh. And we also got to visit my family in Cleveland. And the best part was we had no plans. We showed up. We enjoyed family time. If we decided that we wanted to go out for some socially distanced fun and entertainment, we did. And um, if we wanted to just sit on the back deck and enjoy some time with our family, we did. It was really rejuvenating. That sounds lovely. It was exactly what we needed. And um, that time with family who 
since both grandparents live out of town, it's really special for my girls to enjoy that. So um, I feel very, very, very fortunate to have done that. And I think it's come at a good time. Um, things are ramping back up just a bit here again. And, As the school year starts. Right. So, um, yeah, virtual learning happened last year, too. And so um, I was teaching and juggling and trying to make it all work and as I'm sure many of you know who are working moms and working parents um, and people who are juggling many situations at once can't keep all the balls in the air all the time and so it's important to know when um, a break is necessary and where you can step away and when you can step back in and I just feel really grateful that um, I've been able to do that so Thank you for your gentle kindness and your, um, you know, um, it's like all upset now. Ooh, excuse me. <laughs> well, I think we can all agree mm. that supervising virtual learning of your own child is like the worst teaching gig of all time. Parents are not meant to be the caregiver the one who wipes bottoms, the one who is the disciplinarian, and then also the writing teacher. I think the first day <laughs> that it happened, like, my youngest child, like, Ugh. son, like, yelled at me, like, you're the worst teacher I've ever had. And I was just in my head yelling, you're the worst student I've ever had. I held my tongue. But that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> it is. It is next level. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I learned so much about myself as a teacher and about a new level of patience and how to kind of compartmentalize things. And I am grateful that we're in person now, but of course, you know, the stress is real and sending kids back is also a bit on the terrifying side too. But, um, you know, putting trust in other adults and making sure that everyone is doing what they can is also like kind of the beauty of what school is all about and kids I do believe should learn from other adults and they can really thrive when they learn from other adults and that socialization and oh, learning with the group it's key especially they're just not grade. really I mean I mean hopefully this will prove that you can't really digitize like teaching and just get rid of teachers forever in the whole schooling model like we've learned that it's really necessary as humans I can take a step back and also say we had one of the very best online teachers. She was super engaged. She was always on it. Her discipline was spot on. But there really is such a difficult position to be in, to be a kindergarten teacher and find that engaging moment with kids when you're on a screen with them. So um, it's just not the same. It's just, just not, the, not same. the same. So now we're in... Um, you know, a year that it looks very different from other school years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the 2021 school year is uh, really wonderful in some ways. It's really different in many ways. And um, I don't know, I, I've never had such an emotional beginning of the year as I did this year. Even thinking about, like, starting with some new tutoring kids and um, starting with new advocacy programs. Uh, the world has just kind of turned inside out a bit. And so now we're trying to find our new place in that. Um, That's true. 
it is sort of a surreal start. Yeah, yeah. So I just have I have big feelings. I'm <laughs> we often use that phrase in my house, big feelings, um, and I do. So I'm I'm happy to admit that, and I'm happy to also be honest about the fact that um, it's not always easy to navigate this. And I think there are some really brilliant people who have navigated this very well and have some really brilliant ideas. And I'm trying to just stay on that positive side of things because I think it's really easy to, you know, just bury your head and just get burnt out really quickly. So I totally encourage you to find the people who are doing well. And um, yes, we're going to hopefully have some of them I on know. this season, right? Which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. So this school year, I um, have made some changes. Um, I just had to come to the difficult decision that I really couldn't work full time anymore. Um, because I was pushing against um, the threshold of my symptoms by like about 1 p.m. every workday mm. um, the previous year. And so um, like my brain has sort of stalled in its progress and recovery because I kept pushing at my limits. So then my limits couldn't grow. Does that make sense? Like to recover from a brain injury, you really have to stay below your capacity to grow your capacity well your brain is regrowing lots of brain connections exactly and so I was just exhausting it Mm -hmm. every day um and so that would be like sprinting every day to train for a marathon you know it's not really the way to do it sure I realized that we didn't let um any new listeners know that in the very beginning of season two two Shannon was in a car accident and it resulted in some traumatic brain injury. Today's um, the two-year anniversary of okay. the wreck, actually. Well, bless so, your heart. Yeah, it's been a weird and... day. Wow. I had to drive past the spot, the work spot, twice today to bring my kids to soccer. It was kind of weird. <sighs> I was like, oh, this one little spot on earth has changed my whole life forever. Absolutely. So, yeah. Wow. So anyway, so season two, you could uh, definitely hear like kind of my ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I didn't know I had a brain injury and was still recording. And then when I, as I was figuring it out and then in treatment, changing job, all these things. And then also um, that's one of the reasons that season two and also season three have not had as many episodes as our first season did, but, um, in the pandemic. Yes. And the pandemic, just all of that wrapped together. So, um, but because of that, I've decided to take a step back from work and I'm only working part-time this year. And so that I can devote more time to my recovery and then also to the podcast. So I'm actually really excited about that. Um, this month, um, the first month of school, I've actually just been going in, two days a week and then having three days at home which has been so lovely and you're just working as a resource teacher and I'm working just as a resource teacher which is my jam because that's the reading right I even didn't ask for the math groups I was like we'll use you know other staff for that so um I'm working just as a reading teacher and um once we're done with all the assessments and everything next month I'll be doing three days a week great so, um, and I'm excited about all the programs we're using and the students I'm going to be working with. I'm going to have um, second grader, third grader, fourth grader, a couple fourth graders, a couple fifth graders, one sixth grader, and maybe a few seventh graders in different cool. groups. And um, um, I was able to use some federal program money to purchase Hegarty. Yay! Hegarty. School-wide. Fantastic. 
Yes. And so I put that in the hands of our teachers um, in pre-planning. And then they've been coming in my office um, in my little class. Actually, I don't have an office this year. I have a classroom again, which I'm, oh, it just felt fun to decorate a classroom again. Um, and they keep coming in in the last few weeks like, I love that phonemic awareness program. I love it. The students love it. We're doing it every day. And I'm like, yes. And so for myself, I purchased um, Bridging the Gap which is like the, you know, for older students yeah. who still need phonemic awareness, which I've been talking about that since the first episode. I was going to say, <laughs> and so you were, in the very beginning, we talked about how you were just doing it on your own. Yes. And how, my, how things have changed, and you have found just like the most dynamic program that will just make things so much easier. Well, I want to lean on the structure of the program, and Correct. I really want to try it with fidelity. And then, um, as you know, I'm a very reflective teacher. I'm a very, you know, I've paid close observation to what the students master and um, what they're still struggling with. And if I have to supplement with some of the activities that I've proven in my experience that help, like some of the, you know, FCRR activities mm -hmm. or some of the blending and segmenting activities and methods that... Um, I found that work um, in the past. I'll definitely do some of those too. Here's my nugget. If the kids are struggling with it, add the manipulatives. Yes. Because that's the thing. Sometimes you need to be able to have that hands-on experience um, and, and chunk that information in a different way, visually or hands-on, um, and that can really make a huge difference. So keep it multi-sensory, people. <laughs> <laughs> We've said that once or twice. Once or twice. So then we also... Um, We've purchased uh, Fountas and Pinal Level Literacy Initiative mm -hmm. books to LLI. use yeah, yeah. for guided reading. And some of the books um, have a more predictable text structure, so I don't use those as much. But I, I don't follow the um, phonics scope and sequence that they recommend. I follow my own mm -hmm. and do my own methods because they have more some of the three queuing system and the guessing and things like that. Um, I use, but they're very high quality text, so they're not all bad. And so we use them, um, I use them as more like decodable books. And so if they, we've gotten to a word that we don't know, um, we might do orthographic mapping with that word, or I might just provide it with the student if it's, yeah. you know, not something we're going to get to yet, instead of using a guessing strategy. But if we do get to words that follow the long vowel pattern or something that I have introduced, then I will, you know, use decoding strategies with Super. that book. So I used to do that all the time too, where, you know, you highlight what the new pattern is that may not be recognized You say, we're going to learn this soon and you move forward. Exactly. And, and I think that, you know, we can't get so bogged down now. If every other word in your text, <laughs> you're doing that. I'm not advocating for that, but if there is maybe one to two words throughout the entire book that you're needing to do that with, the kids kind of anticipate that. Sometimes it sticks with them, and they're excited to learn a new pattern down the road. So yeah, um, yeah. And so the last thing I'm going to well, two things that more I'm going to use. Um, I had purchased it a couple years ago when I first got to the private school, but I've only just sort of delved into it. So this year I'm really excited to use it, especially with one of my third graders, um, is HD Word from Really Great Reading. Mm. And so it's like a pretty quick way to teach the sounds and syllable patterns. Um, oh. And they have multi-sensory strategies too. So I'm very excited to use those, and I'll be talking about that through the season. I and then, I'll, of course, hear. I'll be supplementing with the other things I do. And then we also... Um, got Jennifer Cervalo's comprehension kits. Mm. Um, so she has 
you know, I love those reading and writing strategy books. And those are more for students like at level J and higher who can read, mm -hmm. can decode. They're ready. They're for really, the they're right. They're ready for real, like strategies. deep fluency and vocabulary and comprehension work. Mm -hmm. And so um, she has a comprehension kit for fiction and for nonfiction for cool. students at that level. And so um, just this week I was assessing um, the sixth grader with um, with that kit. And it's a really cool um, assessment that she has with high quality literature that you use and rubric. And then um, there's a proposed strategies that you work with the student based on how they do on that assessment. So I'm really excited to delve into that too. Great. And then we gave the words their way spelling inventory because I always do that just to mm -hmm. have part of, as part of my data. And then we're um, giving the map assessment. Yep. Map is, you know, I have, I feel like as our school district added map, our oh, children's yay. school. Did you yes. know that? Oh, yes, I did. Well, and that, that's what I was just going to say. The teachers um, in our children's school district school are actually really excited about they using are? map now because they said um, we happen to have curriculum night tonight. And so that our, our teacher was talking about it and she said, it's just such a great way to get a really great snapshot of what the kids are able to do right in this moment totally get it. You totally understand MAP. That is what MAP is all about. It gives us a great snapshot. It tells us where kids need to be able to um, find growth throughout the year. Right? Yeah. And I love that it's individual. So for the breach. And it levels. Yeah. And and it's not the teacher giving the test. The exactly. computer is reading it to them. That's, yeah. that's really important. Well, I was very proud. My older son um, said, Mom, I didn't finish in the testing period. And I was like, great he was like you're happy about that i was like no that means you really took your time and you had a special test that was different than other people's he's like really it's different i was like yeah it's unique to you and he was like oh that's kind of cool so I'm my middle so school glad. child even thought that was kind of cool yay oh great well good hey teachers i wanted to take a time out to tell you about something that i've used and loved over the last year they're called daily harvest like me, you might have seen their ads on Instagram. That's how I discovered them. I chose them last year because I needed quick and nourishing foods with my busy teacher schedule and also healing from my brain injury to make sure that I got good nourishing food quickly. I've been ordering once a month now for over the last year and I just love their smoothies, oat bowls, and flatbreads. They also have tr treats like bites. Um, I get the ones that taste like chocolate chip cookie dough. They have ice cream scoops. I love the salted caramel. And then there's a special chaga and chocolate latte that's hot chocolate with um, reishi and chaga mushrooms that really helps me calm down in the afternoon. I will prepare the smoothies and oat bowls to take with me to school in the mornings. And then I will bring the soups and harvest bowls that they offer to school with me and heat them up in my Hot Logic mini oven in my room and so that they are hot and ready for me by lunchtime. I love that they add vegetables in everything that they serve, even things like smoothies that you think would only have fruit have vegetables in them, and so does the ice cream. My favorites are the carrot and cinnamon smoothie, which tastes like carrot cake, the squash and chai oat bowl, which tastes like pumpkin spice bread, pear and arugula flatbread, and the lentil and tomato harvest bowl. Those are always in every order that I get from them. Check them out at the referral link in our show notes to get $35 off your first box. Or if you want to DM us at Instagram, Facebook, or email us at readingteacherslounge at gmail.com, we'd be happy to send you the savings code link. 
I love that they have an easy to use app where you can change your selections or pause shipments. I'm never caught by surprise when an order is coming because of that. They email you regularly as well. I also love that their packaging, most of it is recyclable or compostable, so I'm not wasting a lot of materials. Try Davy Harvest. I promise your body will thank you. So what have you been reading and learning about yeah, this summer, when you're not taking care of your kids and traveling and all that? I, I set some goals this summer. So um, I actually have been reading some books that are um, in particular great for parents who are just delving into the world of dyslexia. So I can actually recommend these books. This one is great. Um, it's Richard Selznick, and it's What to Do About Dyslexia, 25 Essential Points for Parents. It is a super quick read, around 100 pages. Everything is really well labeled and, and laid out. It gives um, some scenarios, but then it really talks about, um, you know, what are the strengths of a kid with dyslexia? What should you be expecting from the school? Um, what does it actually mean if you have dyslexia? Will you ever, what, what do the assessment scores mean? It's really great, concise, and well laid out. Awesome. Um, another one, um, Kelly Sandman Hurley is um, one of the directors at the Dyslexia Institute for, uh, let's see if I wrote that down, Dyslexia Reading Institute, sorry. Um, and she is one of the people who helped me with my dyslexia advocacy program. I really, really enjoyed That's her That's where work. I've heard her name before. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and so this book is called Dyslexia and Spelling, Making sense of it all and it's a rather new book that she just put out but if you are a teacher who's just starting out or a parent who is just starting out and you really want to answer the question why is spelling so hard especially for kids with dyslexia this is the book for you it's got um, great little um, tidbits about how kids with dyslexia how their brain works what activities you can do to help them some examples of how you can teach children to read. It's fantastic. So. Okay, I want to get that one because one of the fifth graders I'm going to work with has a diagnosis of dyslexia, but I was just looking at his star reading score. He scored above grade level in the star reading test, but his spelling is really where he struggles. Yes. Here you are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy my best. own copy, but... That's the best part of being in the same room um, with you today. That's so great. Thank you. Um, and another one on a different um, path is um, actually some more personal reading. It's called Suddenly Diverse, How School Districts Manage Race and Inequality. Um, our own school district, which is Atlanta Public Schools, is working on some rezoning in our area. And it's really interesting how um, the dynamics kind of play out. Uh, interesting is one word for it. In our neighborhood. Um, Nice White Parents podcast comes to mind, but um, basically I am just doing a lot of research and trying to see how I can um, have a broad mind about what this means for our neighborhood and what the different perspectives are, and also um, how can I be proactive and helpful to the teachers in our community. And I think one of the most essential pieces is really having strong leadership um, and making sure that the um, the leadership at the school really has a clear vision and that all of the teachers feel really well supported. So 
Anyway, I highly recommend that one too. Suddenly Diverse, How School Districts Manage Race and Inequality by Erica O. Turner. That sounds interesting too. Yeah. I'll read that one after I finish the other one. I also, I'm so excited about these two. Recently, I've just done completed these courses just in this month. Um, and I was doing the Building Readers for Life 2021 workshop, which is Ooh. Emily Gibbons runs that one. And she... Um, we love Emily Gibbons. We love Emily Gibbons so much. And I also love Seth Perler. And he also just did a TIFOS. Executive functioning, right? Yep. TIFOS is um, T-E-F-O-S. And it's the Executive Functioning Online Summit. He just did a free seminar. And he does it um, every year. So this is his second one. Um, and it was three days. It was so fantastic. He had amazing speakers who are so caring and so loving, talking about neurodiverse kids who just need a little bit of love, acceptance, encouragement, and organization. <laughs> and I wish you had told me that was going on. You know, it's funny. That I, like I told about 12 people, and I think I... Um, posted it to the elementary school too, to let parents know, hey, all kids need this, especially their parents, because really so much of the um, work that we do with children is helping them to, um, you know, get it all done. Yes. And that's what executive functioning is, getting it done. No, I, that's, I struggle with executive functioning since my brain injury and I never did before. So honestly, I really didn't even have as much empathy as I should have had as a teacher before experiencing it myself. But, um, it's been a journey. This summer I got an app called Timo, T-I-I-M-O, and it was created for neurodiverse individuals. And it's been very, very helpful, um, to like, keep me on task. You, oh, yeah. Like it takes what's already in my phone calendar, but then it makes it like a start period and a stop period. And it, gives me an, another notification that this thing is beginning, this thing is about to end. And then you can also program in your routines, like your, you should wake up at this time and then it'll just do it every day or brush your teeth or take some, take a shower, like whatever you need reminders for, like it will do cool. that. And so, um, I put in like when to, you know, leave to take my, um, you know, to go pick up carpool and to go take for soccer practice, go to pick up for soccer practice. So that it's just one thing that I don't have to think about. And it's just all automatic and it's a very easy to use app. I don't know. It's, they've just been a, there was a lot of research done around that how they built great. the app and they um, used it with, um, I think brain injury survivors and ADHD patients and things like that. And so anyway, cool. I pay for the app, but it's been amazing. So I love that you pay for it. And I also find it funny that my Alexa goes off like every five minutes <laughs> to give me similar reminders. <laughs> <laughs> my one says it's four o'clock. It's time for piano lessons. No, really. It's time for piano <laughs> lessons. <laughs> Not five minutes from now. Yeah. It so, can't be my voice. It has to be someone else. <laughs> I did some literacy reading this summer, too. Yeah, tell um, me about it. I uh, learned about it from, like, Structured Literacy, Science of Reading Twitter, that they were doing a Zoom book club this summer on the book by Marilyn Yeager Adams called Beginning to Read, Thinking and Learning About Print. Mm. It's a heavy tome, um, and the group was, I mean, they were deep. I mean, it was, like, all university researchers and 
TAs and you know doctoral students and things that and a couple and teachers I bet and me you held your own. <laughs> I bet you did. I did. I finally started talking in about like the fourth or fifth Zoom, but I was pretty intimidated before, especially because Holly Lane from University of Florida even was in that group. Really? Yes. Yay! Yes. I just just soaked in everything that she shared. So that book was really heavy, but it was also really good um, because it just went. I mean, it's a, it's, it was written in the eighties, but it's all the stuff that we're talking about now and that advocating students for now. need phonemic awareness and that things develop in a certain progression and the three, you know, the three part processor and things like that. Anyway, it, it, it's a good book, but it's kind of a heavy read. So cool. I needed some lighter reading. Um, so then after that, I, I'm halfway through, um, no better, do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of gave it a break when I started doing my traveling. So I need to pick it up. Um, but I like that book and it was a lot lighter read than the beginning to read book. And then just this month, um, I found out about two really cool Zooms from the Science of Reading uh, Facebook groups. And so I attended one with um, Lucy Hart Paulson, who created Letters. Yep. And it was about phonological awareness. And that was just so much fun. I mean... I could have listened to her for hours because we were just playing games and doing sound right. things and blending and segmenting and all this stuff. Um, but she said something that was so beautiful in the middle of that uh, um, training. And, um, you know, I always work with um, English language learners my whole career. And so she called the home language the language you're loved in. Oh. And Say it again. <laughs> that your home language is the language that you are loved in and that the language that you um, learn and experience love. That is so beautiful. It's making me tear up. And so we need to keep that in mind with students and that when we're asking them to play with a language that that's really, that's the language you're loved in is when the first language that you really play with sounds, you know, when you're doing the rhyming games and I'm alliteration totally and things jump like in that. With a family story because something happened tonight that I could see being something that's usable everywhere. So my daughter is in first grade and she said, Mom, I have a great idea. Let's play a game. And I thought it was going to be a board game. So I was kind of like, Okay, let's get out of the bath first. She <laughs> said, no, how about if I make a nonsense word? And you find the word that rhymes in the bathroom. And so the first word she said was bizzers, and it was for scissors. And then she said, soap, and the answer is soap. And I feel like that is such a great game that a child could learn at school and then learn to play at home in their home language. I love that. And it was a bonding experience for you and your daughter. Absolutely. I really loved to... I don't know if her teacher recommended it or not, but I loved that she came up with it on her own and it was something that she wanted to start. And she was the one creating the nonsense words, which was really special too. Tell me you're the daughter of a reading teacher without telling me you're the daughter of a reading teacher. <laughs> uh, guilty. <laughs> that you make up games about nonsense words. That's, that's really cute. I love that. I love that. I love that. The um, language you were loved in. Ugh. And then I attended another Zoom. Um, this one was with the Reading League from Michigan. Um, and it was Nancy Young, the creator of the Reading Ladder, which I learned about from yes, you. Yes, Nancy Young. She's fantastic. And if you need to look up the Reading Ladder, it's on um, a number of our previous episodes. Yes. 
and her website is um, nancyyoung.ca so because she's in Canada um, but I really th- this one was interesting because it was about dif- differentiation and um, she called it the key to serving all students climbing the ladder of reading and she said that she created you know the the training and the workshop and felt the need to talk about differentiation because she's noticed that um, so much whole class instruction has been happening as the science of reading is being embraced and that that worries her a little bit for the students who are in the the dark green and the lighter green in the top tier of the yeah. ladder who yeah. don't necessarily need that direct instruction but are starting to understand reading in more of a less direct instruction way and it doesn't harm them but um, yeah she even she even got into specific um, with the we might need to pull up the letter but she said something like um, beneficial for all or something helpful yes. for some it was the words that she used and she was actually worried that she might have used the wrong language because that was implying that everybody need needed this huge dose of structured literacy when some of the more advanced readers she actually um, said might benefit more from an inquiry-based approach, especially with morphology and language concepts. Well, I'll tell you. Okay, um, it was advantaged by a structured literacy approach in that green color. Yes. And she was worried about that she might, that the her words advantaged by mm-hmm. were maybe too strong or misconstrued a little bit. Yeah, so the dark green is at the very top of the ladder, and that reads 5% um, of children learn to learning to read seems effortless. And then 35% is a light green, and reading learning to read is relatively easy with broad instruction. And so, right, so those children, um, and I wouldn't even say that the 35% are um, at a disadvantage, or I, I would say it's that top five green percent of the students in your class where reading, learning to read seems effortless. And, you know, I think that God has blessed me in such funny ways sometimes because I happen to have a daughter who reads, where learning to read has been effortless for her. And she picks up on reading patterns quite easily. And her learning of language at an early age was really quick. Um, And it's um, it's really interesting for me because I'm used to working with the 10 to 15 percent who have dyslexia at the bottom rung of the ladder. I'm used to making things very, very explicit, and she doesn't need that, but I'm finding how I need to stretch her learning mm-hmm. and stretch her spelling because while she can, you know, make rhymes and find patterns. She can do it at a faster and maybe more broad way uh, using a number of different patterns. I see. Um, so she could learn maybe, um, you know, A-I, um, A-magic-E for the long A sound, and um, A-Y all at the same time, and then classify those words in different ways and maybe even come up with rules for why those words are, are spelled those ways, where you may have some learners who Which are... Which would be more constructivist approach. Correct. Yeah. And then you may have, um, I would say, like the majority of your class, appropriate instruction once you've taught the A-I, A-Y pattern, A-Y, 
ends at the end of a syllable or a one syllable word. It ends with A-Y if it's a long A at the end of that syllable or word. Um, A-I if it's followed by a consonant would be in the center of a word, the beginning of a word, um, but it would never be the last long A in a word or syllable. So students could classify those words. For example, rain, A-I-N, um, ray, R-A-Y, and then you can classify creating rules that way. It may need to be more explicit for the middle road of the class. And then at the very bottom, you would probably need to work with those kids for a much longer sustained amount of time just talking about where are the vowels in the word, where is the consonant in the word, and reiterating exactly the pattern of rain, finding just the words that would rhyme with it, and reiterating rain, main, um, so you wouldn't even do AI and AY at the same time with Correct. that red part of the reading ladder Correct. group of students. That's exactly what I'm saying. You would eventually get there, but you would have to spiral and continue to mm -hmm. spiral and relearn those those rules again and again. I think what Nancy and I might be I might be summarizing her incorrectly, but I think what she was getting at was that students need different doses of structured literacy. And Correct. it seems that everybody's getting the same dose, which is a lot right now. It's like we, the pendulum is swung like so much that way, um, which we've been advocating for. But I, I was just I was challenged um, by her presentation and thinking about, wow, we don't want to leave behind, you know, the more advanced readers and then really pay attention if they are getting the concepts, we need to push them further and, you know, push them further with the morphology and things like that. So, Well, I think back to my point at the very beginning, if you can help students categorize and find rules for words that they have some ownership in, their spelling is going to be a lot more um, consistent because they understand and then can, um, you know, apply the rule uh, that they have then created. Mm -hmm. so. And she said that, like, you could... Um, still have a, a structured approach, but have a differentiated process. And it could be systematic, explicit, and cumulative, but it could be needs-based, and that you might not do the same process to master content for all the students. Oh, well, how about my example, just leave. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we did not discuss this prior to no. the... This is the, what happens in the Reading Teacher's Lounge. This is why we love just chatting about stuff. Well, great. So, what really else are we going to be talking about this season? I can't wait. Let them have it. Tell us what's Okay. Up. Well, we are going to be having um, a definite science of reading focus um, because it's trending. It is, you know. Um, it's and a so, hot topic, <laughs> and it's a really important topic. Yes, and, like, um, I, I find even I don't know a lot about it. Like, I've come to some of these best practices just through my own experimentation with my students, um, which isn't the most efficient way to go about it because I didn't learn all of these things in college. And so I want to beef up my own knowledge about some of these topics like Scarborough's reading rope and the simple mm -hmm. view of reading and, you know, um, the three-part processing model and things like that. Great. Yeah. So process, I mean, three-part processing process. Um, we have a bunch of dream guests lined up. I'm not even going to name names yet, but we've got... Stay tuned. We've got some amazing guests lined up. Um, this season is going to be our biggest season yet, and we are so excited to 
have people joining us in the Reading Teachers Lounge. Such so me and Mary. No, we have some really very intelligent people who are going to give us the most wonderful information that we can possibly share with you in this light professional development yes. um, atmosphere. And we're kind of, we've been brainstorming just different sides of reading topics and um, subjects and kind of little pieces of it and finding, trying to find the best um, expert that we can within our realm of connection yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that we can reach um, and, and bring them into the lounge. So we're very excited about that. And then we're also, I think, equally excited about starting our Patreon because we want to, it's always been a dream of ours to have the reading teachers lounge be more collaborative with all of you. Absolutely. And so, um, it's, it's hard to be the reading teachers lounge with just two of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so we want to make it more of a, um, like a virtual professional learning community mm-hmm. and the Patreon platform is going to allow us to do that. Yes. So stay tuned for more information. Yeah. We're going to have, um, extra episodes on that. Um, we're going to have a private Facebook group through that platform um, depending on your level, we might even be able to reach out and assist you, um, with some of your questions and your challenging students and with some strategies that may be, um, useful and helpful. So, um, we have some virtual book studies planned, um, some quarterly collaborative planning and data review sessions planned. Um, so if you are interested in looking at that for just like a a hint of what's coming um you can go to www.patreon.com that's patreon with an e i think if you go to without the e, it's like patron it's probably the vodka okay you probably would yeah. like that too okay I think patreon.com backslash reading teachers lounge and um anybody who joins in the month of september is going to be a founding member and they're going to get some special gifts yes the special gifts are going to be headed your way ASAP. So make sure you check it out. Let us know if you are interested in joining because we would love to make some strong connections with you. Um, We also want to keep chatting with you also through the Clubhouse platform. And so we are going to have a Clubhouse chat on Friday, September 10th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully that means most time zones could join us either after school or you might just be finishing school if you're on the West Coast. Um, And we will be sending out, if you want to find us on Clubhouse, we're Reading Teachers Lounge, and we have a virtual club there. Um, Wait, Shannon, what's Clubhouse? Because some people might not know. Okay, true. I forget. I'm on Clubhouse so much. Okay, Clubhouse is, it's a social media platform, so it's sort of like Facebook or, you know, Instagram or something, but it's audio only. So it's like having a spontaneous podcast chat, group chat, all at once. Like actually joining the reading. Yeah, so you can listen and you don't, you can just stay in the audience or you can raise your hand and join the stage and actually be part of the discussion. And usually when we host chats, it's it's pretty, you know, we invite everybody to the stage because we want everybody to talk. And so it's really fun. It's like, it's like Zoom, but I don't have the Zoom fatigue because you're not looking at the faces, and so you can just be dressed however you want because it's just audio. Right. And if I'm in the mood to just listen, I'll just listen. And then other times, if I want to talk to people, I've gotten to become – I've made good friendships through um, through Clubhouse. I've gotten to know some teachers 
honestly, from around the world through that platform. So it's pretty cool. Um, and that's a way for us to be able to like join a chat room all at the same time and actually be in the reading teacher's lounge. And then even if we're not present, if you listeners want to form your own chat to talk about, Hey, I just gave the words their way spelling inventory. What do I do now? You could host a chat about that, or you could host a chat about accelerated reader. You could host a chat about, you know, the journeys reading program or whatever you need to talk about. It's, it's a pretty, um, informal but also highly uh like educational platform like yeah and i think it like i think it formed out of the pandemic because people were isolated and so this was a way for us to all be connected in a safe socially distant way yeah that's a good point yeah so um september 10th will be that first chat that we'll do and we will talk about that um you know if you follow us on facebook or instagram we'll post about it but also um, you can find us on Clubhouse just in general. And then if you follow us there, you'll get notifications about the chat coming. Well, speaking of, don't forget to follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. at Reading Teachers Lounge. Um, or Facebook. Or Facebook. And um, you can also check out our webpage, www.readingteacherslounge.com. And you can email us. And you can email us at readingteacherslounge at gmail.com. Yep. And um, thank you so much, Um for sticking with us. Usually our openers are pretty short, but this one's kind of long. Yeah, well, we, we got to talk to about and we got <laughs> we had we started talking about books and things we're excited about. Well, I hope you all check out those books too. We'll put some links um, on our show notes on our show notes and uh, in the web page so you can check those out. And thank you to um, thank you to Jordan Kempker who is uh, the man behind the music, and also to Allison Zane from Fruit Creative who did our original logo. Very cool. And um, shout out to Joel Betts, my husband, who has edited all of our episodes since the beginning. He has done all the legwork from the beginning. If you join Patreon, Joel might not have to do as much work. (laughs) Um, No, we're really, we're really grateful. Thank you, Joel, for all the work that you do. All right. See you next time. Next time.